Well, hello, Jonah. Uh, hello, nice to Scott. meet you finally. Nice to meet you. I, it's funny. I feel like I know you because I listen to your voice, but you have never heard mine. Well, but I've been a fan of your music for this whole time because oh, you are the composer and creator of our intro and outro music. So I feel like I know you on that level in a different way. Oh, that's very intimate. <laughs> it's so intimate. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just start. I'll, I'll start with the solution, and then we'll we'll kind of it'll be clearer why well let's do well, let's your, not let's forget just to learn a little bit about jonah yeah first, let's introduce jonah and then we'll do the first and last solution. name yeah. and tell our audience okay. who we're talking to. yeah yeah what's your name jonah what well, my name, my name <laughs> that's is not an jonah. introduction <laughs> oh sorry this is jonah burns and jonah is a musician and an artist Very and cool. uh do you want to tell people a little bit about the art that you make jonah sure i uh i, I right now i work for a sculptor who does large-scale glass sculpture installations um kind of like architectural pieces for building lobbies banks casinos hotels um and we're working on a huge project for a casino in the philippines dang and you're and you're based in brooklyn right uh technically long island city which is part of queens right that job sounds both really cool and also, like, maybe the worst possible job I could ever have, like, <laughs> working in a place with large glass installations. I, I am Mr. Clumsy. I would be tripping yeah. and falling yeah. and smashing and be like, oops, what was that? Oh, seven years worth of work? Sorry, guys. <laughs> right. Well, you know, the phrase, the bull in the china shop has been uttered more than once. <laughs> so what's the biggest piece of glass that's ever been accidentally smashed to bits? You know, we were just discussing the fact that no uh, no, no panels that we've produced yet have been dropped. Oh. Kind of, uh, you know. Well, that would be me. I would just Good. randomly walk into the office one day with like a 20-foot ladder and be like, oh, what, what? Does anyone need this? Start turning left and right. I mean, I mean that right. actually happens, though. You know, it's just it's quite surprising that like that has happened. Now, Jonah, how does one work up to large-scale glass installations? Do you start with large-scale other installations or do you start with small-scale glass installations and then they see your promise and they're like kid you're getting knocked up to the big times right well that's right i started with like um microscopic things like on a slide you know you have to see under a microscope uh, and then and then those got then approved. i'll, I'll, bra- I'll brag a little bit about jonah's background because i know i've known jonah for probably about True. 10 years but jo- Jonas, Jonah has this experience too of working with his dad, who is a large scale metal installation, met, not installation, Whoa. but metal sculptor in Madison, Wisconsin. Sure. Uh-huh, like the it's, lady at the end of Castaway. I know. That's what? actually right. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, Jonah, I relate everything in my life to movies from a specific time period. <laughs> so then Jonah's done a lot of different things, but one thing he did before this was he actually built plant habitats that for space and some of his work is in the international space station whoa that, that is true that's amazing so he has Jonah. a very uh diverse uh, I, I bring the eclectic to bear yeah but all of it is like making real things with your hands which i think is so right. cool in like a 20 you know 20 2020 thing where so many people are like oh i do you know marketing for a a digital brand. It's like, get the, what do you do? You don't do anything. 
Yeah, well, the, it's a it's definitely a better party trick. You can just be like, oh, who here has stuff on the International Space Station right, right now? Yeah. Then uh, you raise your hand. Yeah. And you're like, oh, just me? Oh, weird. Oh, Interesting. Weird. I thought Why? I, just, I thought I would connect with people. Me? Anyway, if you want to ask questions. <laughs> if any of the ladies want to line up. <laughs> That's fine. Line. Jonah, this is, you have many feathers in your cap. This is impressive. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Now, Jonah's a perfect guest for this idea, this solution today, yeah, because get to he's, he's also a musician. He can, I once saw Jonah, Jonah can play as any instrument I've ever seen Jonah near, he's been able to play. Whoa. Which <laughs> means he's either very good at curating what instruments are around him, or he's very versatile as a musician. <laughs> I think it's maybe a You're little like, bit of both. Why don't we walk down Guitar Alley? He's like, no, no, <laughs> no Guitar no, Alley. I hate Guitar Alley. We got to go to Piano Place. Let's go to Xylophone Xylophone Street. <laughs> like he's always very strange about so where we want to go. Also, we live in a very segregated musical area. <laughs> yeah. It's like akin to Sesame Street. Yeah. But he oh, well. will go to any dulcimer store you bring him to. But yeah. oh, I love the, I love dulcimer. The hammer dulcimer. Yeah. What is it? Dul- oh, du- the, the hammer dulcimer. You have to it's like an old fashioned like hit it folk, with the thing. Oh, yeah. I love those. Those little tiny hammers. Uh huh. Little yeah tongues the, on the end. The dominant sound of a Renaissance fair. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so Jonah has musical ability and art ability. Well, fabrication is art, you know, fabrication. Right. Mm-hmm. But so this idea is about art and it kind of ties in with music. So maybe I'll just share it and then you guys can Please. rip it to Don't pieces. Keep on. Okay. So it has to do with my, so my art journey started about two years ago. Okay. That's, I'm not going to go back two years. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you the idea. So the idea is, Museums full of historical reproductions of famous works of art. Okay. That are everywhere. Every, basically, the idea is every city, no matter how small, basically, should have a museum full of like the greatest works of art ever made, all in reproduction. Like, the, they have agreed on what are the like, the classic top, like the top one sure. hundred things. Yeah, we reproduce these, and then we yeah, get and each, one. And in each every one can des- each museum could decide its own. You know, okay. they could have curators who decide, but the curators could just say, "Yeah, we want a life size Guernica, or even half size. Maybe you just do fifty percent. You know, you can do any yeah. size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you hire local artists who need employment, who would love to do employment, and and um, could could actually just pay those lawyers to or lawyers artists to uh i mean you might need lawyers in this idea too because i think you're like you know copying things but, well but it's all it's all in public domain at this point right For well and it's yeah. out in the open so you're not trying to pass of off these forgeries right. as like the real thing yeah but you would like be charging admission i mean yeah of course yeah Okay. Okay. Like good. We have your guy. Okay. I guess you two are both intellectual property lawyers. I didn't know that either well, of you were art lawyers. So I've done. I was. I'm trying to think about this because I'm like a. I'm a museum guy. I like going to museums, but yeah. like I've never seen the Mona Lisa. I've never right. seen Guernica. In Why person. not just have it be right here? Right. Why some, not just have it? Some stuff goes it's on just tour, oil paint. It's not. Like, Magic. Those big ones, the crown jewels, of yeah. P- of, they don't go anywhere. They stay. yeah, and even the smaller ones that maybe they go on tour. Like, why not just have like. 50 locations on the planet where you can see mm-hmm. Monet's lilies. Why do you have to go to the Musée d'Orsay in or whatever the Museum of Monet, Monet's Museum in in right. France in Paris or w- see it when once in your lifetime it it tours around, you know, the United States or something. Mm-hmm. Let's just have it. Like it's not a big they're not okay, here's here's the backstory. I started to learn how to oil paint 
two, two and a half years ago. And at one of my goals of learning to oil paint was to do a, I like to do master copies to mm. learn, but also at the end you get a copy of this amazing painting that you made, which is awesome. And so one of my goals was to make this Van Gogh called the Cyp- uh, Wheatfields and Cypresses, which is this beautiful painting that Van Gogh made near the end of his life. It's just stunning. Or not near the end of his life. It was like, well, his life was very short. So yeah, it was kind of, <laughs> he only painted for about 10 years and he did this one like eight years in. So yeah. Okay. And he died at, at the end of those 10 years. <laughs> so, um, and now I did it. I finished it. And now I have a full historic reproduction, uh, you know. And I'm, you don't have to I mean, go I, see it anymore no, in the museum. I, it's in the Met. It was, good. it was sold in 1992 for $50 million to the Met. At this point, it must be worth it's an incalculable, or I mean, sure. incalculably valuable. Right, right, right. I mean, if they tried to sell it today, I don't think they even could. I mean, it's too valuable. Well, it's one of those like cultural, historic, like you can't replace it. No, it's, it's irreplaceable. Yeah. So. I mean, there's, there's, there is two of them because he made a copy for his, 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 uh, his sister and his mother. So there's, but one of the copies is gone. So there's just the original and the copy. The copy's in London and the original's in New York. Okay. So you either have to go to London or New York, or you have to see like a picture of it. That's the only three options you have, you know, but why not? Or you can go to my bedroom. My <laughs> bedroom has a historic, like relatively historically Wait, is this just a trick to try and get people into your bedroom? <laughs> is that this whole, I oh would my be good gosh. If I were a dating man, I would be like, well, yeah, I mean, if Look, you want to see. You go to London, you can go to New York, or you can go to my bedroom. It's yeah. up to you. What do you want? <laughs> Which one's closer? One's one Uber right away. Well, so I, what I think is like, I, I want to know is like, I, what I hear people saying in my mind is like, well, yeah, but that's not the real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Adam and I talked about this a little bit a while ago, and, and we brought up the, the concept of like music. So like, you know, when you go to hear a symphony, um, you're hearing something that was written by somebody else, you know, a couple hundred years ago and being played for the umpteenth time by a completely different group of people. Mm. And nobody bats their eye at that. They so, pay good money. You pay two or four hundred dollars to sit in the front row of the symphony. Right. To yeah, you're not that. sitting there with your arms crossed, going like, "This right. isn't really. This isn't real Beethoven. Right. Beethoven's dead. You liars." So, <laughs> so why, why, why is there something more essential, or is there even, about those reproductions as compared to the reproduction of a painting? I would actually, if I were running these museums, which I think I could start one. I mean, I think you could do this and it would be great. I mean, anyone could start this. This is a great business idea. By the way, I have logistics questions that I need to get back to for you. But But I would set up a room or like a, you know, the front freaking window of this museum. I would have one of the, like a new reproduction being made live every day. And you could go and watch the, and talk to them and they would say, oh yeah, here's the methods. uh, I'm using. Yeah. Be be like, like, that brush stroke is all bad, dude. I would just like undo i'm also from learning how to do historical reproductions which i'm a complete i mean i I mean only have like i said i only have two and a half years of ever any art at all so i mean i'm like a complete amateur but i but i've but i've taken a real interest in doing this historical reproductions and uh it's remarkable if like the tools that we have available using technology like x-ray and and other kind of, you know, pigment analysis mm-hmm. and sort of mm-hmm. things that we have scientifically. And then just close-up photos. Like, mm-hmm. back in the day, you would have had to go to the Louvre 
and get up in like really close and then like write down, oh, here's how they did it, you know? And right. you would have had to right. take like an obsessive interest in it to get the techniques and, and lift them, you know, visually right. or know the artist and be like, how did you do it? And then have them, which they probably wouldn't tell you because they have their own right. secret style. But now you can go on Google Arts and Culture you can zoom in to one centimeter is your full screen, right? One centimeter of the painting is your mm-hmm. full screen mm-hmm. of your computer. And you can see almost exactly the brush stroke technique that they're using. Mm-hmm. You can x-ray the photo and see the layers of paint that they've used. You can read historical Wait, you accounts. you can see the x-rays online? Sure. Of almost any major painting has okay. been x-rayed and then you can see the analysis. Only really major paintings, but you know, one major painting of each painter, they usually use the same technique on the other paintings. So if you want to copy another one, you just use Mm -hmm. a similar technique. When they were x-raying all these paintings, did they accidentally find ones with like bones inside? And they're like, (laughs) oh my gosh, this guy's a killer. (laughs) He's an amazing painter and also a secret killer from hundreds of years. Yeah, it was actually Titian. Titian. There's lots of bones in his. <laughs> Rembrandt used to hide oh. his victims in his paintings. What? Oh my, oh my gosh. That's like the Ben Franklin house, right? It has all these it has bones in the basement. I didn't know about this. What? Yeah, the Ben Franklin house has a bunch of bones. From all the other people who were so well, close to ben, discovering ben electricity. Was he, a, was like, no he was way. like, that's mine. <laughs> I think it's been proven that it was just like the previous people who lived in the house just buried their dead because oh like, yeah that's what like i'd want people to think about me too so they just buried their dead and then ben franklin bought the house and lived there it, but there is a <laughs> there's a funny thing online where if you google ben franklin serial murderer there's like these no officer i promise i bought the house with all the bodies <laughs> i didn't put them there okay logistics questions i have logistics okay. questions are you talking I, it sounded like you're talking about actual painters recreating these with paint on canvas not like yeah. photographs or some sort of reproduction. Yeah, yeah. Total, that total histor. I mean, you'd want to do. So, what I do and what I'd recommend anyone doing is historic reproductions with modern materials. So, you wouldn't want to use like, mm-hmm. like Van Gogh used such cutting edge new pigments that they didn't even know if the pigments' colors would last. So, then his paintings have actually changed color over the last 200 years. Oh. And so, you'd want to, you'd want to learn historically what colors he was using and then use modern what's called light fast pigments. So pigments that aren't going to, you know, dim or change color over time. And then you probably want to use non-toxic materials too, just so that your whole, you're not putting any artists or their communities or, or anyone at risk. You know, sure. I, I don't, sure. some people will say you can't make a historic reproduction without lead white, but I would say that's really stupid and you should just use, you know, a lead white replacement, which is almost exactly the same as lead white. So let's let's say we have fifty of these museums, one for each state. Yeah. It would be probably not sure. exactly that, but if you had, well, we that, could just start one right now, you and me. Let's okay, just start one right. Well, now. would what what I'm wondering is, would the person who's the w- painting the Van Gogh sunflowers is that like the sunflower person, and they paint all fifty that no, go to no, each no. one? No, I would or say do you have every to get artist. Fifty different. I would say. I would say. Well, the way it ought to be, in my opinion, is it should be a way to fuel financially local artists. Okay. So you should go around and art schools and art students and stuff. So you should go around and say, you know, if you can demonstrate that you can do a a, a copy of that's to a, a high enough, you know, mm-hmm. historical quality, we'll buy it from you for set price. You if, know, and so then a local artist can be like, "Oh, well, I'll I'll, t- I'll do that." And look, I can do that. I can create that. Okay, we'll prove it. Show us. You know. Okay, yeah, this is up to specs. Yeah. We'll if future it. artists can do a better copy, can they knock out sure. the one that's there? Yeah. Why not? I mean, the museum can upgrade its. Okay. Upgrade its. I see this also producing like a discussion about like 
which states have the best copies, which states have the, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, have you been to the South Carolina? Their Guernica is awful. It's so, so it's bad. Just but, like but they have, just but like, they have like, like one of the top three Mona Lisa's that you're going to find. You oh, know, there like, you go. We can start having like, where's the best? No, because when, here's the thing. Okay, I'll just blow your guys' minds right off the bat here. Please. Most of the great art that you see is already copies. It's way too risky what? from a financial perspective to put the actual original painting right. in front of a bunch of freaking monkey what? tourists. Some climate protesters. Yeah, climate what are you talking protesters about? are throwing soup at this shit. Those are <laughs> copies already. Do you think if you were like Sotheby's insurance company that you would allow the actual billion dollar work of art to sit out in front of the public with a chain with a with a freaking cake cord in front of it? I guess not. No, you would say pay an artist to make an exact replica and we'll put that in front of the freaking American tourists, you know? <laughs> so Adam is here saying that all there of are our museums are lies. Not all of them, but many of the greatest works, the absolute most valuable works are copies already because there's no way in hell they just hang canvas with oil paint. I mean, you could go up with a razor blade, slash, slash, and destroy a hundred million dollar painting. This You're is some national treasure. For like, more artists. It's good for the economy. Yeah. So we just need to keep doing what we're doing, but do it. And I'm, I know what I'd like to see is someone listens to this and says, that's a great business idea. I'll just start it. Cause it's a great business idea. You take any tourist city like San Francisco would be perfect. Mm -hmm. And you go take, they have this like Lego museum. It's garbage. It's down. It used to be an ice cream museum. It's a just Lego trash. Museum? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's, and it's that's down cool. on, it's down right in the, like Market Street, like Tourist Central. Mm. And it used to be like an Armani exchange. And before that, it was like a bank. I think it was a Wells Fargo. So it's this beautiful inside. It's just gorgeous, yeah. you know, old sure. building. And you just buy it and you call it like the San Francisco Art Museum. Like you just call it like the San Francisco Institute of Art, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like just give it like a legit name. Yeah. And then you you very publicly say, these are all historic reproductions of the greatest works of art. And you have a Mona Lisa, you have Starry Night. You just take the top, you know, the most famous ones that everybody wants to go see. And, you know, you could even have a Rothko room or something that's a little more like maybe people well, don't know, but it's really cool. And then you just you this. put it in there. And now you'll start charge charge 25 bucks to get in. You'll have thousands of people come every day. You'll make millions of dollars. I'm sure it'd be a super successful thing. Yeah. So so let me ask you this though. Because we have the technology to like scan and print like a very accurate facsimile or like maybe even 3D print something with texture, can you articulate why it's good to have people produce these by hand as painting you as opposed to you just having a photograph? You can't produce an oil painting uh, with a print, with a printer. There's no such right, thing because it's textured. It's it's yeah. It's completely a different yeah. I mean, maybe someone could I think that there work might their be asses off and make technology like that. But it'd be better to just pay a freaking artist. It wouldn't cost very much. Like I bet I could pay someone two three thousand dollars and they could make an exact reproduction of uh, certainly any of the impressionists. Well, and Jonah, here here would be my answer to that. I I have I don't know if in Brooklyn they do this, but here in San Francisco I've seen a few different times they have these immersive exhibits for different artists where like you go oh, and yeah. it's like the Van Gogh right, immersive right, or the right. Picasso and right. it's uh, large scale reproductions. It's like really detailed photos. They have okay. projections. But not reproductions. Photos oh, sorry, not reproductions. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah large yeah, scale yeah. like re reprints of yeah. like of the of the actual thing, but no, none of the actual paintings. And then they have projections right. in rooms where they put it right, on right, places right. and you're like walking around in it. But 
it does lack the texture of looking at right. a painting totally. that has been painted. Like I right. can look at a, a flat thing and it's fine and I can take it in, but I'm not ever transfixed by that the way I am right. by just kind of like looking at the grooves and the bumps and, and the stuff on a real painting. I don't know. That that yeah. could just be right. me. I'm a nerd with that stuff, but I, that's the difference to me that may have the idea that that's on Adam's side that like has that special piece that's not with the flat stuff. Well, you know, and there, there's another uh, aspect of it that maybe we haven't talked about quite yet is the um, the value of the educational value of doing these oh, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Oh, for the, wait, of who? Of the audience or of the artist? Of the art. Well, for the artist. So, like, these are people who are learning from doing this, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean sure. I mean, everyone. I mean, they could be professional artists who are fantastic. Well, but they, you learn. They don't learn that every much, every but, project yeah, you do. Something. You're learning. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but I mean, so like we were talking about using the sort of the technique of reproduction as a way to study. Mm-hmm. And I know this was common. It's common in music. Like it, it's, it's historically famous. Like Bach used to go and copy the, uh, the scores that he could find, um, of the, of the older Italian music. And that's like one of the main ways that he learned music. But I don't know. Do, do people teach us in art school? Like these kind of. Do people do rep? Do people do master copies as part of art school? Yes, I. So I was a painting major for three. Oh my god! We got the perfect person here. This (laughs) is great. I started school. I started school as an illustration major. uh, Got a little disillusioned. Switched to painting for a few years. Switched out of that and got my Japanese degree. But it's a long story. But anyway, during the painting, yes, part of our um, one of our assignments, I remember very clearly was a big like master reproduction where we had to reproduce another painting as as closely as possible and then again years later i took a watercolor class and that was also one of our eventual projects was a master copy of another thing and you do you learn a lot from trying to dissect the painting figure out how it's made and then recreate it but you'd also have to have your art institute your your san francisco art museum uh probably couple with the local wax museums because that's producing Absolutely. reproductions right. of famous Put people. like an Obama right next to like a Monet. Right. Now, when they, when they do a reproduction Thatcher. of a person, do they pay royalties to that person? I don't know. Are Only they, if they're royalty. <laughs> that's where that's where they originally came up with the idea of royalties <laughs> was wax reproductions. Or does a celebrity... Reverse royalties? <laughs> they have to pay the museum? <laughs> right. Does a celebrity pay them because they're like, Will Smith is like, man, people are staring at me all the time. At least here's a wax me. They can a few people can go stare at that, and then there's fewer people out there trying to stare at me. Like maybe no, that's not how it works. That is how it works. It is. Yeah, it takes away because there's can be only so many people can look so at a certain thing. So many eyes exist yeah. at any given time. Exactly. There's only so many earballs. I'll be honest. I haven't ever been to a wax museum. It's not me neither. One of my jams. So I haven't not, either. But they, they have us. I have like a outsized part like in existence in my consciousness for some reason. It's, like, sand. it's like quicksand. There. It's like quicksand. Right. I'm always worried about quicksand. <laughs> right. There's a place down, there's a place down the like street it. here in San Francisco from my house that will, you can buy figurines of your loved ones. What? Okay. You, you have, How? you, they, they already come, have them there. That's they crazy. have them there. <laughs> They're just, Facebook just buys the info. Yeah. I walk past, I see my girlfriend. I'm like, Hey, uh, whoa. She's like, Oh, you want to buy this? Oh, that was a decoy. <laughs> That's like, right. How did you do that? I think you have to bring them in and then they scan them and then they shrink it down and they 3d print it and they color, they paint it and make it exactly exact 
replica. This sounds like the scammiest. Sc- yeah, bring your girlfriend. Sounds in. like we'll, a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> bring your girlfriend in. Have her take her clothes off. We'll, no, 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 we'll not scan clothes her. off. It's, it's, she poses. She poses, and that's the pose of the figurine. Oh, okay. So you know, she may you know, dress up, wear nice, wear nice clothes, and and you could have your dog. I think but your you dog, could do it. No, I couldn't do a dog because then the dog maybe it is a dog because maybe it's just a picture, and the dog can just sit there, and then and it's like forty cameras take a picture. And then and then they get the dog too, yeah. I think you can do anything, but I don't know if they, they might not have survived COVID. Like they, I think because you know you have to come in. I don't think people are going now. Here's where we cross our ideas. We talk to them and see if they will reproduce the instead of the fifty best works of art. We just figure out who the fifty best humans are, and we get a museum oh. of humans oh. and you can come oh, in and be like, idea. be like, oh, I got to see my I think Michael Phelps. To, to answer your question, to answer your question LeBron about James. what. What would get me to go to a wax museum? Uh-huh. Um, I think if they had, I think if they had like um an actual environment that I could like l- explore, you know, instead of just like you're walking, it's like oh, there's a ugly, you know, bad reproduction of this person, bad reproduction of that person. If you could actually be like, no, you're gonna be like in the room where it happened, Aaron Burr, and oh. you know, and you could go in that room like and it life would be size set up diorama. exactly. Yeah, that would be oh. cool because now you feel like you're in a snapshot of history. You know, that's what if cool. it was just like an environment where like you couldn't tell who was a wax person or not? You know, like <laughs> oh, it's like, like a bunch of actors in and the some bathroom, are wax and some like, are not. The, is it cake? The the people version. <laughs> You just have to take a bite out of the person. <laughs> what if they go, ow? ow You're like, oh, no, nope, well, not, wax. not wax. Which I usually bite. Wait, why do you bite wax? Well, if you get a mouthful of wax, you win. Well, maybe it's all cake. And mm. so, except for some people are people. That would be the true, that would be the true is it cake version of a wax museum. That would be. <laughs> so wait, is our wax museums in trouble because of global warming? Because they're going to melt. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, worried. that is what would bring me into a wax museum. If you could give, if you could tell me that there was like a melt room and I could take like, a celebrity, like, Salvador Dali, right? like a celebrity that I don't <laughs> like or whatever. Yeah. I can, I can turn up those like big red lamps. Oh wait, I just had a really good, stuff start this is getting weird. Great. This is how you get good ideas is you do crazy stuff like this. But hey, what about, okay, back to the, the, the reproduction museum. Yes. You could say, do you really like this painting? It's on sale for $25,000, $20,000. And then the artist gets a fraction, like a, proportion of that mm-hmm. boom now the artist is like may able to be like you know making an extra stream of income not just because they were paid to produce it for the museum but people who come in and think it looks awesome can just buy that right off the wall and now there's a the new one gets made by the artist right or another artist mm-hmm. and so there's this like extra stream of income also stream of income for the museum right they can get a fraction of that sure. sale price yeah. so it's almost like a gallery too at the same time and uh, now, wait, Jonah, you live in New York and New York I has do. a concentration of large, great artworks. Have, do you That's go true. see these things? Do you, I, I do you have, venture out? Yeah, I, I do occasionally. And I have seen some, you know, the type of things that you're used to only seeing in a book or, you know, picture. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, it actually, what it did cross my mind when I was, I was looking at these paintings, um, the question of, are these real? Because they're so exposed. I mean, some of them are behind glass, but some of them are like pretty accessible, and it, and it 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 does you know make me wonder. Because I I've heard what Adam was saying, like you know that some of these things you may be looking at a replica, and you just don't know. Yeah. Um. So it gets rather um, you know, you feel like Dickian in there. 
Yeah, you're like, I, I could do something to this right now. That's dangerous. <laughs> Why are you letting me this close? Exactly. It, it, it's, you know, those like sort of intrusive thoughts begin to flourish. Mm-hmm. The lapel de voix. Okay, I'll tell you guys, I'll be, I'll tell you guys a personal story. So I lived in Spain when I was 16 years old for a year, you know, exchange year in high school. Okay. And it started off as just a semester, but I liked it so much I said, I'll, I'll keep going. So I actually was able to extend it to the whole year. Bueno. And one thing I like to do is I lived in Madrid, and Madrid has two major art museums, Reina Sofia, the Reina Sofia, and the, and the Prado. And the Prado's great, but it's kind of, you can't get your arms around it. It's too big, and it's got a bunch of really boring paintings mixed in with the great ones. <laughs> the Reina Sofia, on the other hand, is really cool, and really all of it's great. Like, it's really fun. And they have an entire Dali room that's a, like amazing Dalis and they have like all these kind of crazy things. But the the absolute pièce de résistance is the Guernica is in Reina Sofia. And it is huge, mm. huge, absolutely all-consuming. And when you go into it, it's a religious experience. I mean, I, 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 mean, I was already kind of primed for it because I knew about it and, I, and my dad was a conscientious objector to Vietnam. And so we have this kind of peace sort of thing in our family. And so I was excited to see this. I knew it was an anti-war painting. Mm-hmm. And I had read Slaughterhouse-Five, which is about the firebombing of Dresden. And this was about the firebombing of Guernica, the city in Spain. So I, I had, I was primed for it to be very meaningful to me. Right. But it it was an absolutely life, you know, it's a period, a punctuation mark in my life was to see the Guernica. Mm-hmm. And many people say that. Like many people mm-hmm. say that the seeing the Guernica in person is a life-changing experience. Well, only 14% of Americans have a goddamn passport. <laughs> and so how many Americans are ever going to have that life-changing experience? Right. Zero. You know, 14%. And then out of that 14%, only probably a fraction of that goes to Spain. And a fraction of that goes to the Reina Sofia. So like nobody. But if they're, well, and, you know. Do you think that the difficulty plays into the sort of the experiential value of the experience? I don't think so, man. I think if you go into the see the Guernica, if it was in a basement uh-huh. of like a <laughs> of an Aldi's, you'd still be blown away. It's amazing. I mean, as long as you have good enough, actually. as long as you have good enough lighting, it has to have good lighting, and right. you know, it has to have. You got to back up. A, it's huge. So you have to back up. It needs to be in a big room. But yeah, it, it would be. I mean, you could you could take a Walmart and you could put it on one of the walls, and it would people would go, come from all around. Walmart should have to look wall at art. It. Well, no, oh, but I, wall art that could be a, a branch off no of but Walmart. i mean i know what jonah's saying he's like do you think the people that live around the museum where the guernica is do you think they kind of take it for granted because they're like yeah, i can see that anytime or they whatever. take it for granite <laughs> but i mean like the, sa- <laughs> the same way that you and i might be like oh it's the golden yeah, gate the bridge or proximity. whatever i've heard of that golden gate okay, bridge i go to, other people i like, go to chrissy field and i gaze at the golden gate bridge enjoy i mean i don't know who who just says oh the golden gate bridge that the most of the greatest philistine in history are you kidding me ah oh, god damn two it. seconds ago no you you're saying that but you also when you walk go across the golden gate bridge i think it's pretty impressive it's amazing yeah. and it's awesome and right. you think god this is amazing it's not you know it basically if you if the world does not have beautiful things in it life is a craven right. husk of being alive like <laughs> There's no reason I mean, to be alive if you don't have beautiful things to enjoy. Greatness doesn't get old either. Now, Adam, let me throw some business ideas at you here. What about some themed versions of your museum? So we've got the, we've picked out our 75 works or whatever. Yeah, sure. Cool, cool, cool. Or you could just now, start with, you could just start with five. I, I would mean, like, people would form lines around the block to see the Mona Lisa and the and the and the Starry Night and Guernica or whatever. Yeah. You know? Well, let's say we have those. We go each place, but yeah. then I want to open say an anime themed version of it. So Great. I see all, yeah. all Start the, all the, the entire collection, but like 
animeized. Like so. Oh, I see. So it's like Mona Lisa, been, but anime. Right. Mona Lisa. Oh, exactly. I like love it's this. like yes. it's been done with a yes. Instagram so filter or something. Where, so this is where we get into what I think is truly should be like. This is what postmodernism should be in art. I think <laughs> it should be. It should be. It should be just rampant. You know, very 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 variety in order to then be a path because I think every one of those varieties is a tributary back to understanding the original. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's fantastic because then you see an anime Mona Lisa. Now you're like, well, I want to see the real Mona Lisa. And then eventually it enters your mind. Like, why did Leonardo da Vinci paint this at all? <laughs> and then why is it considered so great that then people were lampooning it? And, you know, fly, you know they say, <laughs> what do they say? This could be the motto of the whole museum could be, what do they say? Uh, flattery. Uh, imitation, co- is imitation is the best. Imitation is the for, finest form of flattery. Yeah. That could be the motto. We could put that into Latin and that's the motto of the whole thing. Come see our last supper painting where everyone is kawaii. <laughs> <laughs> waifu. They're all waifu. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sitting around. <laughs> it's just Jesus as Jesus and then all waifu around. <laughs> like, oh, oh, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, you. oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> Very good day. I think it would be lovely. I think it would be lovely. I would be down. I would love to see that museum, especially if they did it really accurately with really good, you know, oil paints and like really good, but then it was all waifu. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Jonah, can I take advantage of having you here connected with us to ask a little bit of behind the scenes stuff? So when you're making... So I, I knew you through the song that everyone, all the listeners have heard twice every time we Wait, have an which episode. song? Oh, this song? The intro music. Oh, I was going to have you cue it up right here. Oh, <laughs> yes, this song. This cue. song. Oh, I know this song. Yes, this song. Uh, so how did this song come about? Is this something... Like, well, I don't, I don't uh, write music, so I have no idea. It's how funny it's... you ask. Um, I actually, I don't know if I should tell you this, but I actually wrote it for a different <laughs> podcast. Oh, oh betrayal. Man. I just walked into that <laughs> one. Stab. Yeah, Ooh. you really, I'm sorry. So, everyone, this I, is I was giving him the, I was giving yeah. Scott the neck. Everyone, this symbol. is the last don't time. Don't ask him about This that. is the last time you'll hear this song. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for next episode. New song, new song. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> um,. Well, I've always kind of wanted to. Um, I, I like the I like the, the sort of the genre of podcast music because, um, well, they're kind of. I guess from my side, they seem easy to make because they're like they don't need to be like complete ideas. They're just like cool things that sound cool. Yeah, yeah. And they make a big difference to the podcast. And I, I, um, I think it was a couple years ago, and there was a podcast that I was interested in that was about material science and they were just getting started and they had really awful music (laughs) and i was like this is cool podcast but you know and so i wrote i wrote them an email and i was like hey you guys um you know maybe i could make some music for you and they're like sure and i i think i made a couple of things and i sent them to them and either they didn't like it i think there was a combination of like they weren't super into it and i got lazy and it just never happened. Gotcha. But I had produced that piece of music, which right. I wrote on this little synthesizer called the OP1. Ooh, um, brought to you in the basement OP1. of the UW hospital in their cabin. Oh, nice! Not the basement of yeah. Aldi, but close. No, it was it was in the the UW Madison cafeteria that that piece of music was recorded. Joan and I met in Madison. So when we hear this, we can imagine you composing on the synthesizer in that basement. That's right. To like, Trying to like get the notes right and get the thing going. Okay. 
Very yeah, cool. that's well, right. their yeah. losses are gain. I'm yeah. very happy. That I'm, I'm happy about yeah. it. <laughs> it's worked out great. Yeah. yeah. And I, the, you know what? They went ahead with some different music, and I still don't think it's very good. There you go. They that's, have taste in material science. They don't have the, the double that's taste right. music. Not in musical science. Well, as a person who makes podcasts but does not make music, it's so nice to have people like Jonah who can re- even reach out and be like, Hey, I've Can noticed. Make this? I've noticed yeah. your music is not, and you'd be like, "Yeah, uh, yeah, that's not my thing." And then be like, "I can help." That's I. This is the beauty of podcasting that I love. So I'm it, very it happy is, to have is. this connection. Yeah. I'm happy Adam is connected to you. So, me too. Likewise. <laughs> okay, guys. All right. Reproductions. Do we solve it? Do we have we the fifty? It. I'm more convinced that when I what like when I started talking about this, I was like this is a weird idea and it's kind of cool. Now I'm like, I feel like it's, it's a mission. Like someone needs to do this. Satellite museums, the educational, of covers, the educa- cover artwork just museum. The educational alone, the educational value and for the artists. Sure. But really for the public, I mean, you know, Americans, unfortunately, you know, our taste is not the highest thing in the world. It might be because all the goddamn art is over in another country or it's in the coasts on LA at the Getty or it's in the New York and the Met it's locked away in Mm -hmm. these places that only a few, you know, hundred thousand, maybe two, five million people can access. Well, and you're saying it's even locked away further in tiny vaults that no one can access. (laughs) I mean, that's my point is that I don't care that it's reproductions because now that I know it's just oil paint, you can just do it again. Like it's not that big of a deal actually. Because the content informationally is the same. You know, it's colors and you can even know the exact pigments they used. You can literally chemically know the exact pigments and then just use those pigments again with the same binders and it's the same exact thing. Uh-oh. I just thought of a problem with the idea. Oh, no. We're going to have to construct like 50 different Sistine chapels so that oh. the artists can paint on I the I think we ceilings. can just do panels. I think we can just do panels. Okay, okay. I was very worried there. I was just yeah, multiplying construct- construction costs. Well, for- architecture would be hard this way. Although you could do models, little miniature right. models. Mm. but a pan oh absolutely Sistine Chapel panels would be great yeah <laughs> and that's not oil paint that's fresco but you can do frescoes you know you can do frescoes too it's not hard you just get plaster and you start painting it's easy a Sistine Chapel room would be really smart yeah. or, or, or just a hallway that's a bunch of art but when you look up it's panels of the Sistine Chapel ceiling above you that would be really cool it can actually blow people's minds because you'd literally be like walking and be like Mona Lisa, Starry Night, look up, it's creation of Adam. Like you'd just be like, oh my God, I'm like overwhelmed with like, <laughs> it's like blasting my brain with the greatest works of, and then it's like the David is at the end of the hall and you're just like walking towards the David, you know. I just think we've done, we've done a great thing with symphonies. Why don't we just do it with art? I agree. Let's do it. I agree. Hey Jonah, thanks for calling in and providing your your jokes and your, your expertise. expertise and and telling us the behind the scenes of our music because <laughs> i would have never known yeah. that otherwise uh now you know my pleasure very cool jonah is very great, great speaking with you thanks for letting us harangue you yeah. this morning and i appreciate it buddy for comfort for anytime for listening into solutions from the multiverse yep thanks for joining we bring us a solution every week we'll see you again next week all right bye 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 You know what I didn't? You know what I didn't add to the podcast. As I should have said, I'm working on two reproductions right now. I've got two more.
Well, there you go. Such an idiot. You're almost in the museum. No, is this mine just, are bad. Mine aren't. Is good. this just an idea to get your paintings? No, no, mine aren't good. Into yeah. museums. Mine are, good drum up are you trying to get production. people with true artistic ability would do so much better? I than can me. see through you now, Adam. I know what this is. <laughs>